Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Classroom Matters podcast with me, your host, Christy Hull. And I am delighted to be following up um, and, and finishing out, actually, our series. And we are back joined with uh, Colleen Pollock and Karen Kalish. Uh, Karen is the founder of the Homeworks Organization, and Colleen is the CEO of the Homeworks Organization. And in the last episode, we had the pleasure of talking with Colleen about um, homeworks and how attendance and parent engagement and parent involvement is really a key component of not only what what students and children and, and parents are experiencing all across the nation, but specifically with the Homeworks Organization. So today on this episode, we are back and we are really going to focus this episode on the topics of attendance, academics, behavior, and really how all of those three things come together um, for the whole experience of education and what the Homeworks Organization is doing with children and families. So Karen and Colleen, welcome back. Thank you for being with us again. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. So I'm excited. So the first thing I want to say to our listeners is if you haven't had a chance to watch or listen or both, because they are both video and audio, please go back and take a quick listen and watch it. Um, it's really full of information, not just for what the Homeworks Association and organization is doing, but really helpful information for education in general for parents and, and teachers and students and everyone involved in a child's education. So today- this is really about that critical relationship. Yes. Between school and home, parent and teacher. Yeah, and absolutely. How important they are to each other. Yeah. So, Karen, why don't we dive in? And I want you to really talk about um, uh, attendance, academics, behavior. So what's some of the research and statistics on how these areas connect and the importance of each one? Well, first, I have to sort of jump to the balcony and say that the four things, the classroom behavior, the attendance, academics, and the relationship between school and home. Those are the goals, the, the mission statements of Homeworks, the Teacher Home Visit Program. We want to, or Homeworks aims to improve attendance, which we will dive into because it's crucial. If you don't come to school, you're going to learn other things, but not the stuff that's at school. If you are not behaving in the classroom, it takes time away from everybody else learning. If mom and dad, grandma are not in touch with the teacher, they really don't know all the things they could be doing at home. And achievement, academic achievement is crucial for them to be coming to school ready to learn, be on or above grade level, graduate on time and go on to college or some other post-secondary education because not everybody needs to go to college, can go to college, even wants to go to college. And that's great because we do need plumbers, electricians, and people in the military, and police, and fire. So, But they have to do something after high school to be able to really be a productive member of society, put food on the table, et cetera. But it starts at home with those relationships. We always bring up academic achievement after last because it doesn't jump ahead. It takes a few years of coming to school every single day, of behaving in class, of mom, dad, grandma, to have being involved in their education, and then academic achievement goes up. It takes several years. It doesn't happen overnight. So they're all related to the success of the child. Mm -hmm. And Colleen, would you add anything to that? 
Yeah, I would just say that one of the things that we have going for us with Homeworks is that there are many other organizations in the country that are doing some really good work that we partner with and we can learn from and and in, in these different areas. And one of those um, being attendance works that Karen has had a really great relationship over the years. And they have done some really rigorous research specifically into attendance and its impact on students going forward. And they have found that students who have absenteeism issues in those early years, you know, talking about kindergarten, first grade, second grade, they are those students who are not performing in high school. And so it is so critical that we get mom, dad, grandma involved and engaged early. That's where homeworks comes in. That's why we're starting at pre-K so that the parents know the importance, like Karen said, of having their child come to school every day, ready to learn, um, so that we don't see those negative outcomes for those students many, many years down the road, just because they weren't there in those early years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that I'm thinking about as I I'm listening to both you and Karen are, you know, you talked about the importance of, you know, parents getting their students to school. And so what kind of impact or what kind of message do you think that sends to the children as they get older, if their parents don't feel that being in attendance is at school is important? Does that send a certain message to the child as they get into the older grades? You just answered the question, Christy. Yeah, absolutely. Huge message that school is not that important. But I think we need to talk about some of the reasons that kids are staying home. I had to have 105 fever and be, you know, on deathbed to not be able to go to school. You went to school, period. It was expected. But in some of our families, um, they missed the bus. And mom, dad, grandma do not have a car. And there's no way to get to school. So they just stay home all day. Or one of them has an appointment and they'll bring them home, the mom, dad, grandma, after school is over and no one would be there to meet the kids. And so they just keep the kids out, not all by any means, but some keep the kids out of school all day so they can go to the appointment with them and then all come home together. So some of these reasons that the kids are staying home are not the reasons that many of us went to school. And so we really have to have that trust and that relationship with the home to be able to talk about the importance of going to school every single day and on time. Many come late. They overslept. The alarm clock didn't go off. Mom got home at two o'clock in the morning from her third job. And then they come late and they've missed an enormous amount. So it's a really complicated, uh, sort of just um, very, some an, an area that we really have to look at and build the trust and the relationship to get mom, dad, grandma to realize how important it is to come to school all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Christy, and as, as Karen was talking, I was just thinking back to our last session when we talked about how parents are a child's first teacher and their greatest advocate. And kids are always taking their cues from their parents, you know, no matter their age. And so the the way that parent, whatever the parent's attitude is towards school, their kids are often going to adopt that attitude. And if they have a, this is important, this is a priority attitude, then kids are going to adopt that. And I think Also, what's important in this conversation is thinking about the difference between truancy and absenteeism. 
and that those are two different things. And parents often don't understand that. And that that's part of what Karen's getting to and why these are us and homeworks building these relationships between school and home and increasing communication is so important because, you know, some parents think that if I just call in or say like, oh, it's okay, or send a note that they weren't there, then that's okay. It's an excused absence and it's fine. But what we know is that everything kids are learning, especially in these critical younger years, are building upon each other, right? You can't learn how to subtract if you don't know how to add, right? And so if kids aren't there in the classroom learning those critical foundational skills, especially in those um, subjects like math and reading, everyone listening to this podcast knows it's going to make it even harder for them to progress throughout those years of school. Yeah. And Karen, you know, you mentioned a couple of things that, and Colleen, you just sort of finished those thoughts. And I want to ask you, you know, you talked about trust, having trusting relationships with the families, um, and then also the difference between absenteeism and truism. So my question then would be, what, how do you have those conversations with parents? And I know that it's helped with your organization because you've already built good relationships, but I know teachers are listening or administrators are listening and saying, yeah, we have parents bringing their children in to school late or not bringing them in at all. And we know why the reasons are, and they're not really adequate reasons, but I don't know how to start that conversation with a parent without offending them. Um, And then my second question is, how do you uh, meet parents where they are to assist them if it is a situation where it really is out of their control and mom and grandma both have to be at work and there's really just no transportation for the child? So how do you approach the tough conversations and how do you meet parents where they are to help them with the struggles and challenges of getting their kids to school? Well, I want to give kudos to Colleen for this first thing because she started something this year, which was having positive interactions between school and home, parent and teacher, before school even starts. Only positive. Three, four, five. Before school, introducing yourself. When they come to school, taking a picture of them working on something and texting it to mom, or they did well on the spelling test. Mrs. Jones, we just want to tell you that Jamal got 100 on his spelling test. Have a nice day. I mean, no long conversations. And the mom is, what was that? I mean, they they really don't get it the first few times because I don't know of teachers that reach out like this, that um, our, our teachers, and it was it started with Colleen. So once you start having positive interventions, they're not afraid to take the call. And they start, it takes a while to change behavior. Oh my gosh, changing behavior is so hard. But having those positive interventions before you have to talk about the negative things, it lays a groundwork for you to then have a relationship and be able to share that. Yeah, I agree with Karen 100%. And when when we talk to our teachers and even um, survey our parents or have our follow-up phone calls with our parents to get their feedback, that's what we hear. We hear parents telling us, I never got a call before that was good. Um, from school. And by having that interaction happen first, parents, as Karen said, are more comfortable taking the call and more comfortable have hearing the hard stuff because they know my child's teacher is, is in this for what's best. And they're not judging me. 
they just, they want to understand so we can work together towards those common goals. Like we talked about at the very beginning, that's foundational for what homeworks is doing with parent and family engagement, work together towards those common goals. So my kid can be successful. And we're all want to be on the same page here and make that happen. And positive interactions at the beginning before school starts, and it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it has a huge impact on setting the relationship up on the right foot. Christy, you were a teacher. Yes. You know this. If you only call with something negative, Mm -hmm. it's not really going to go anywhere and lead to a change in behavior. Yeah. And teachers are so busy, they don't have time. Although the the homework teachers who do these positive, they realize how much time it saves them to make the positive calls before the negative, rather than just calling and getting, you know, negativity back. And you never get anywhere that way. So it really saves time if you do these positive interventions first. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, folks that are listening, even if they just take, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, this is this is hopefully going to impact them and give them ideas to think, wow, I didn't think about that. It costs me nothing. It's just my time sitting down, taking my class list. And I know that's a little bit more difficult for secondary teachers because they have a lot more students, but, you know, doing what they can to reach out to, to families before there's an issue. Because you're right, Karen. I mean, I and even growing up, when our phone rang in my house, I mean, I never had a call from a teacher because I was a pretty good student. But my brother, on the other hand, when that phone rang and it was a teacher, we knew somebody's in trouble. Um, so, you know, I think on top of that, how do you, what strategies are you using and, and what have you implemented and what can other districts implement when there is just a struggle and it's it's out of the, the family's control. They want their child to be there, but for whatever reason, whether it's jobs or transportation or whatever it may be, they just are having a hard time getting their child to school. I want to say two things real quickly. One of them is there's several things one can do and that I've heard of teachers doing. I know of one teacher who sent postcards to every single student in her class. And it said, I'm your new teacher. I can't wait to meet you. See you Tuesday or something like that. Very short, but every single child got a postcard. I know teachers that have ridden the bus every day of a week and gotten off at a different stop, waved to the moms and dads out in the community. So there's several ways to do this. And specifically trying to address some of those those barriers um, when it gets beyond when parents want to and know. The, the first thing I would say is that we have to be really careful that we're not making assumptions on behalf of our parents, right? Like we don't know what's going on in their lives. And a lot of times if we haven't built that really strong relationship and foundation of trust, they're not going to tell us the truth about what's going on because that makes them really vulnerable. And we talked about vulnerability in one of our last um, sessions also, and how hard that can be for parents to expose themselves. And so it is really important that when we approach parents that we do it from a place of listening and a place of curiosity and not from a place of judgment so that that way we're opening up so parents can truly let us know what those barriers are. Right. And because that that is often going to get it because we might be hearing, oh, I overslept. But what we're not hearing is We don't have heat because we can't afford to pay the bill. And so we don't have, you know, X turned on and we slept in because we were up all night cold. Like, And we don't hear that um, until we build that trust. So it really is approaching our parents with just that curiosity and that like, I want to make sure that you have what you need so that 
your student can come to school. We have resources, we have access to community resources. And that, that's something when specifically that Homeworks has done is that we have created relationships with other community resource partners so that we can meet parents and families' needs so that those barriers that are happening at home that are keeping kids from coming to school, um, that are causing transportation issues or are causing oversleeping issues or are causing um, some of those issues, maybe they're even homeless and going from couch to couch, we don't know but that there are resources within the community that can assist in those areas. So Homeworks has built relationships with those resources so we can then bring them to our families. But the first step, you gotta have that foundation of trust, otherwise the families, they're not gonna tell you. And so it's really important that you start out with those positive communications interactions like Karen talked about. Keep trying, you can't stop. It, you have to, we had one teacher, it took her nine times to try to contact the parent, have a relationship. It, it could take 19 times, whatever it takes to build that bridge and build that relationship. And I'll tell you two of the testimonials we get more than any other over and over again. One from the teachers, and that is assumptions. This is going on what Colleen said about having assumptions. Teachers have assumptions about parents. Those parents don't blah, blah. Those parents fill in the blank. It's usually negative. And when they get to the home and see how much they love their children, they're surprised, pleasantly surprised, pleasantly shocked. And so we hear teachers say over and again, I thought I knew my kids. I thought I knew my families. I saw mom every day when she came to the school to pick up, pick up Johnny. But I didn't know anything until I got to that house to see the apartment, what it was like, what, how the relationship was at home, away from in front of the school. And those moms and dads love their kids so much. They're just trying to keep the lights on and food on the table. That's what a teacher's, a teacher testimonial. A parent testimonial is, I thought those teachers were up there just to get a paycheck. They don't know my kid. They don't care about my kid. They just want to get their paycheck. And oh my gosh, you really do love my child. You really do know my child and starting that relationship. So the assumptions, I mean, it's almost like, a, like they go up in smoke once they meet each other and really get to talk in the home or outside of school. And I think that that is something that just, just me getting to know both of you over the last two months since we've been doing these episodes together, me getting to know more about the Homeworks organization, it is really, truly a relationship um, between the Homeworks organization and the parents and the students. And it really is a true partnership of just getting down to the basic human need element and being there for one another without judgment, without um, expectations that can't be met. Um, so it's really refreshing to see that instead of sort of dismissing the issues or blaming parents for issues, you're really trying to meet them where they are because you have their best interest and their children's best interests at heart for you know, their kids' attendance and behavior and academics, all these things that we're talking about. And so that leads me to, and I know we're talking a lot about attendance, but like you said, Karen, attendance really does make a big difference when it comes to academics and behavior. All of that goes together. So give us a little example of 
what kids are actually missing when they miss school. It's not just, oh, they missed a couple of lessons that they can do at home. So what are some examples, like what are they actually missing when they're not at school? And what are some myths about, you know, students not being at school? Can I, before Colleen answers that, I just want to tell you, use three words that are really important to homeworks. Blame and shame. And we have no blame, no shame. And that is in the training that no blaming of parents, no shaming of parents ever, ever. That doesn't work. And you also use the word partnership, which is key. It's it's like the relationship and the trust. But that partnership is over and over. Colleen uses it all the time. So I, I just wanted to underline two of the things that you just said. So, Colleen, what are what are our kids missing? Yeah. And so I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but how especially in those younger grades that what kids are learning builds. And so what you learn one day is built upon what you learned the day before. And so you're going to you're going to learn a math lesson one day or you're going to or even younger, you're going to learn what the letter H sounds like one day. And then you're going to be able to use that when you're learning blends two weeks later. And so when kids miss that, those foundational pieces, they can't catch. It makes it so hard for them to catch up because they don't have the foundation upon which all the rest of the learning is built. And one, one of the phrases that I really like that I always hear is that um, up to third grade, you learn to read. And then at fourth grade on, you read to learn. And so we've got to have kids reading on our, on a grade level by third grade so that they can learn going forward. And that's really, really important. Um, in addition to the academics, though, we all know, especially those of us, I'm a parent who had a kid who was learning virtually for you know a year during the pandemic. That social piece that she missed from being able to be in school with friends, learning how to share, learning how to communicate, learning how to be just like a good citizen with others and cooperate is so important that kids learn in school. And they miss that when they can't be there in person consistently, when they're forming groups and forming teams and working on projects together, they miss that those critical pieces, which are so important, we know in the workforce later on. And so building those muscles when kids are young about cooperation and teamwork is really important and can ha only happen when they're together at school. And that creates strong social bonds and higher self-esteem. And so that's all good for kids and impacting their behavior as well. Yeah. So Karen, hit on some of the myths, right? So sometimes as parents, we're like, oh, it's okay. They're only doing this or they're only watching a movie or, you know, they're not missing that much school. Um, so it doesn't matter if they're not there for a couple of days. Go. What do you say to those things? <laughs> well, I think that the teachers, um, we suggest often that the, sometimes that the teachers take to the home visit or, well, I'll get to the or in a minute, um, examples, not from their classroom, but examples of writing of a first grader in the third month of what it could look like. And then the child's, again, in the home and just between them, not ever in front of other people. So the mom can really compare what, where the child should be and where the child is. We also do attendance bar charts and show how many days that the children have missed. And there's a number across the bottom, never a name, but we show mom, your kid has missed 11 days and she can see the whole classroom and some have missed none and some have missed two or four, but mom can see that their child has missed a lot. 
So often a comparison of where the child could or should be is powerful. But again, it's going to be building of the trust and the relationship before you can ever approach this. And that's hard because not only our moms, some many of our moms, dads, grandmas did not have a good time in school. They did not enjoy school. Their parents didn't come. They have not been made to feel welcome in either this school or other schools they've been to. So there's just so many things affecting this relationship and then moving the child forward because no one read to their kids or to to the mom, dad, grandma because their parents were working. So there's so many things going on and, but every change becomes, uh, comes out of um, trust and relationship. And this sounds a little hokey, but change happens at the speed of trust. I would just really like to uh, bolster what Karen said about the importance of breaking down perceptions. And this goes to some of what you're talking about before, how teachers can have assumptions about families. Parents have assumptions about school too. Christy, like you were talking about, oh, it's just a couple of days. It doesn't matter. And talking about other organizations that we're able to partner with and learn from, um, there's a national organization called Learning Heroes that surveys parents nationally every year. And they ask parents about their perceptions of where, where their child is and how successful they're doing when it comes to grade level. And they ask teachers the same thing. And in the most recent survey, when parents were asked if their children were on grade level, 92% of parents said yes. And when teachers were asked that question, 44% said yes. So there is a huge disconnect between where parents think their child is being successful and where teachers know that the child is performing. And so when we break down those barriers and increase communication and increase trust between school and home, we can turn on those light bulbs for parents to be like, Yes, your daughter is amazing and wonderful, and she's such a good friend and a delight to have in the classroom, and she's reading a grade level behind. And this is what we can do together to get her caught up and have those conversations, because most parents don't realize that their child is not where they should be. I'll give you sort of a tragic example, actually. And it's right here in St. Louis, there was a charter school that started, and it was a block from a public school. And the charter school did a great job of getting the kids to leave the public school and come to the charter school. The charter school was committed to being honest with the parents and telling them where their children were academically, with math, with um, reading, and where they were, what level they were on. And it was a shock to the parents being told the truth. And some of those parents were so angry that they put them back in the public school where they weren't achieving. And the charter was trying to bring them up and work with mom, dad, but they were so angry that that they were being told the truth, not at the school that had kept them low, but at being told the truth, they just yanked them out and put them right back in the public school. Couldn't handle the truth. And that's why the trust is so important first right? You can't dive into the hard stuff right away. And that's why like with, you know, us, when we work with our schools to build their capacity to more effectively engage with families, we start with trust and relationship building before you get to the hard stuff, because that's why it's going to be the most effective. And our teachers will do anything. I know some teachers who call the parents in the morning at eight o'clock or seven 30 or seven o'clock. Are you up? 
They made that deal when they did the home visit. We have given out alarm clocks, whatever it takes. There have been teachers or the family child coordinator left school to go pick up a child who had no way of getting to school and went to pick them up. There's just so many things that are have to be done and that are being done to get those kids to school. And then the behavior. Some of them are hungry. They haven't, some of them eat at, at breakfast and lunch and they don't eat until the next morning. And if they miss the bus, they're hungry. So, or some of them haven't eaten. And so they're really hungry during the day. We have kids who sleep or sleeping during class. Why? Because there was stuff going on and they couldn't sleep or there was six to a bed. So all these things is what we need, what our teachers need to know so that they can make that partnership to use your answer, to use your um, term and do whatever, as Colleen said, do whatever it takes for these mm -hmm. kids to thrive. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's obvious through your examples and through the things that you're talking about, um, Karen, both you and Colleen, that attendance has a huge effect on behavior, academics, mental health, et cetera, right? Because if they're not there, they're not learning. And if they well, miss learning, too many- They're learning all right, but not the stuff we want them to. <laughs> right. Because Colleen said, the ch parents are the child's first teacher. But if they're not reading, talking, playing, and singing with them, those kids are still learning, but not what they need to be able to be successful. Yeah, yeah. So if you could both sum up um, in a couple sentences, what you really want our listeners to know and understand about homeworks and why you're doing the things that you're doing and the impact that you're having, what would you say, what would you want our listeners to take away from this four-part series about the homeworks organization? When people think of homeworks, I want them to think about relationships and trust and community. We are a collaboration between school and home to create partnerships so kids can be successful. And at the end of the day, we know that home is the key to unlocking this challenge of, of student academic achievement. And I am just thrilled that we have the opportunity to partner with schools here in the region to be able to do just that. Uh I have so many things I want people to know. And this happens over the peas at the grocery store, because once I get started on this, I really keep going. But I guess one of the first things I want, depending on who I'm talking to, is I want them to be non-judgmental of this problem, of our kids being behind and not really ever catching up. I know we've done this in past sessions, but you know our kids in public school in America only go to their, are in their building. 14% of their year. That's uh, 1,218 hours, basically. And it's 180 days, 174 in Missouri. And that's not very many. And so there's all these uh, people who are very judgmental about this. Why can't they be doing this? Or why can't they be doing that? And just so judgmental. And I want people to really listen to this and know about this and not be judgmental. And instead of being judgmental, to dig in Find a school, find a principal who you know, and ask for a kid and go once a week, twice a week, and read with that kid. Be with that kid. 
I, that's what I want people to know, how critical this work is, that we're the only ones doing it in this whole entire region, but how important it is for our region to have these kids. We need them in our workforce. We need them to be productive members and not enter the school to prison pipeline. So I know that's a whole lot, but it's sort of all related too. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really hopeful and I know that the folks that are listening and have had an opportunity to listen to all four sessions that we've done in this four-part series will be enlightened and inspired and excited about the work that you're doing and that that will hopefully impact them and the work that they're doing in some way, shape, um, or form. So Karen Kalish, thank you so much. Go ahead, Karen. Anyone listening who would like to help besides reading could make a donation to HomeWorks. And if you just go online to HomeWorks or Teacher Home Visit, there's a little button that says donate because we pay all the teachers who make visits. We pay for the training. We pay for the evaluation. We pay for the dinners at school when parents come and learn what's going on in the classroom. And it's it, the budget's a million dollars, but that's what it takes to get our kids ready for to be successful. So if anybody wants to donate, we would love it. Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up. And um, Colleen, thank you so much as well for being with us. We've we've done a lot together. (laughs) And so I know that people will be able to find you guys, reach out to you if they want to donate, as Karen mentioned, or if they just want to contact you and get support. I know that you are there for that reason. And you're more than willing to help anyone that reaches out to you. So thank you both so much for all the time that you've spent. Thank you for letting us share this important work. Yeah, really I love great. it. I, I think that what you're doing is amazing. Um, so if people we can't get too. in touch with you, get in touch with me and I'll get you in touch with them because <laughs> the connections have to be made. So thank you both so much. And um, hopefully we'll be back and hear from you guys again soon on how everything's going over the next couple of years. And until then, this is Christy Hool signing out for this episode of the Classroom Matters podcast.